Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. How many worked in sales before? Okay. A lot of you. Okay. Um, how about outside sales? Anybody in outside or direct sales? You know, um, even how about door-to-door sales? We got any, any ever done door-to-door? Okay, I hear a few notes there and stuff. Okay. Um, how many of you ever went selling Girl Scout cookies when you were a kid or, or selling something for your school, right? Okay. Yeah, y'all, y'all remember that, right? Chocolate bars or some kind of wreaths or something nobody wants. You, you know, that's what the school has that you're selling, right? It's, it's always something like that. Maybe not, except Girl Scout cookies, you know, um, Girl Scout cookies always get a warm welcome. Amen? Um, that, that's, that's what gets a warm welcome. But um, many of you know this, but when I was in college, um, I sold rainbow vacuum cleaners. And uh, some of you, many of you already know that and so forth. And so we went uh, door to door. And if you've ever done that kind of thing, in fact, we've, we've gone uh, out in our community here and reaching out and praying for our community and, and sharing, the, sharing Christ with those in our community. We've done that here at Southside. But if you've ever, ever done and gone door to door selling something or talking to people about the Lord, um, the, most people are nice, but not always, Right. <laughs> Not always. We have to be real this morning, okay? Um, and so whenever you walk up to that door and you ring that doorbell or you knock on that door, you never know exactly what you're going to get. Are you going to get, hi, how are you today? Are you going to get somebody peeking around the door just to see who it is? Or are you going to get that guy who, you know, just sitting at home that was just, he's waiting on somebody to come so he can grouch at him, right? Err, what are you doing to my door? Get away from me. I don't want anything. Uh, you never know what you're going to get if you've done um, direct sales, door-to-door sales, and things like that. I, I believe that, that is, uh, that's a little bit how um, many people feel when they come to God. Whether it's coming to God initially, maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to, to figure out this, this Jesus thing and, and this church and all this, and, and you don't know, how is God going to receive me? Uh, Pastor, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've messed up. And so when I come to God, how, how is he going to receive me? Uh, uh, or, or even as maybe as a Christian, you know, Hebrews chapter 12 here, we've been talking about life being a race, like, like, a, like a running race. And so uh, sometimes, as we talked about last week, you can get maybe uh, off course a little bit and, and get sidetracked. And so, Pastor, if I, man, if I, when, if I need to come back to the Lord, and maybe you've never been away from the Lord, like from being in church, but you know you're not where you need to be with the Lord. And so, Pastor, how is God going to receive me? How are others going to receive me? I think those are big questions that we have. And I believe uh, that the writer of Hebrews seeks to answer that for us as believers today. Uh, we've been talking about this race uh, comparing uh, life to a race and um, talking about that we need to run with endurance the race that is set before us. But as we talked about last week, there are things that come along in life that trip us up and that make us stumble and that cause us to get off course a little bit. So, so how, does, how does God receive us when we come back to Him? Well, friends, first of all, the first thing I want to share with you from our text this morning is this, friends, that believers have no reason to fear, have no reason to be fearful of, of God any longer. We get number, point number one up, please. 
Um, believers have no reason to be fearful of the Lord any longer. Um, I want you to look at chapter 12, verse 18. The writer of Hebrews is writing to, um, is writing to, to Jewish believers primarily. Um, doesn't state exactly where uh, the, the letter was sent, exactly who he's writing to, but we gather from the letter, as we've talked about, that writing primarily to Jewish believers with uh, probably some others, uh, other Jews who were searching kind of mixed in, and maybe even some Gentiles as well. Uh, so in speaking to this group of primarily Jews, he uses an analogy here that every Jew would understand. Now, we as uh, Gentiles and separated from uh, that time for 2,000 years may not fully understand this at first, but look at verse 18, if you will. Uh, talking about that race of faith and as we come to the Lord, how do we come to Him? Verse 18 says this. It says, For you have not come, and, and we're going to talk about this several times, but don't you take a pencil, pen, your lipstick, something, and underline or circle the word not there, okay? Not. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and to blackness, and darkness, and tempest. Aren't you glad we have not come to that mountain? Amen? It's not being described very well. Amen? Uh, we'll explain a little bit more here in just a minute. It says, verse 19, And the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it, or those words, begged that those words should not be spoken to them anymore. Verse 20, 21, a parenthesis here, For they could not endure what was commanded. That being, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Friends, aren't you glad we don't come to that mountain? You say, well, Pastor, what mountain is that? Well, friends, any Jew would immediately, would immediately get the reference and the understanding that is being made here. Friends, it's a reference to Mount Sinai. It's a reference to that mountain in the Old Testament where God, uh, uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. That mountain where, uh, where God showed himself to Moses and spoke to Moses and through, to the people through Moses. I want you to notice here in verse 18 again, what he says is, You have not come to this mountain. Aren't you glad? Um, I want to help us understand a little bit of, of what was what they associated with. What's he talking about here? So I want you to invite you to turn back all the way towards the beginning of your Bible to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Take your bulletin or something and put it there in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be back there in just a minute. Turn over to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. 
Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came down from the mountain and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Now, if only they would have stuck to that. Amen? They were quick to confess with their mouth, but not with their actions. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Moses went back up the mountain in verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So God here saying to Moses that he would reveal himself um, to not only Moses, but mountain to speak with. And you know, you had to wonder this. Here, Moses goes up the mountain and the people wondering, you know, is Moses going up there and just twiddling his thumbs and coming down saying whatever he wants to say? No, God wanted to make it perfectly clear that it was God that he was speaking with. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. In other words, what he's telling them is uh, God wants them to prepare themselves. Two days of preparation, outward steps symbolizing an inward preparation. Verse 11, and let them be ready for the third day. And on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Friends, God would show himself and show signs um, that it was he whom Moses was meeting and speaking with. Verse 12. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. So here we see that even God was setting boundaries for them. His holiness, uh, mankind, we as sinful man cannot approach God any old way we want to. God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And as sinners, friends, uh, God has a way that we have to come to Him and, and respect who He is and His character and His holiness. Continuing on, it says, When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not even come near your wives. Total what in cleanest purity before they just, and they weren't even going to really meet with the Lord. They were just going to see the Lord reveal himself on the mountain. Verse 16, then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Here we're seeing symbols of God's greatness, God's power, God's majesty, His glory. Verse 19, when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Friends, it's what you see here. How would you feel if you were one of the Israelites seeing all of this take place? You know, 
Um, I've heard people that have been in a literal earthquake um, say it is just terrifying. It helps you realize um, how, how helpless we are at times. Now, um, friends, <clears throat> some commentators have speculated, was this, was this a, a, a Mount Sinai erupting like a volcano? Uh, I don't believe that's the case at all, friends. I believe here these are special signs by God indicating His presence here. Look over in chapter 20, verse 18. As Moses went back up and met with the Lord and then came back down and brought the Ten Commandments to them. Here kind of a summary in verse 18. It says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. So here are the people seeing all of these things and uh, they were afraid. And that was kind of um, really... God wanted them to have a healthy fear of Him. Now turn back over to Hebrews chapter 12 again. So let's reread verse 18 and 19, what we've said already. Here it says, For for you have not, you speaking to those Jewish believers, and, and maybe some others in there, but talking primarily here because I believe... Chapter 12 is directed to us as believers. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched. That, that he's saying that physical mountain. Because what we're going to see here in a minute is he, he compares it and contrasts Mount Sinai with, kind of go ahead and give it to you, Mount Zion. We'll see that here in just a minute. But here, this physical mountain. You have not come to the, the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. Friends, he says, listen, you have not come to this mountain. It was there that the people first got a glimpse of God's presence and they were afraid. But he says, we have not come to that mountain. Amen? Now listen, if that's all there was, if Mount Sinai, where, where the Israelites met God, friends, if that was where we, we met God, then we should be afraid. Amen? Um, Mount Sinai symbolized uh, the, the, the Old Covenant. Uh, it was where the law was received. It, it, it symbolized um, uh, God's holy, perfect standard. Okay, And so uh, in that... Um, if that's all there was, friends, we should be afraid, friends, because we all fall short of His glory and His standards. Amen? Uh, we all stand in awe of who He is and, and of His presence, friends. And, and let's just be honest, we are peons in the presence of God. He's God and we are not, friends. And we need to realize that. Friends, on our own, there is no good reason. There is... Let me say this. There's every good reason for us to be fearful of God on our own because He is holy and we are not. He is righteous. He is above all, friends, and we are sinful human beings. It is like Isaiah and the vision he got of the Lord. Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. But friends, here's the good news. The good news, as verse 18 says, that we have what, what, what word do we underline or circle there? We have not come to this mountain. Fortunately for us, friends, there's another mountain to which we come. Amen? We don't have to go and meet God at Mount Sinai anymore. We don't have to go and be under the law and, and, and under those rules and regulations and, and, and that that's all of it. Now, 
Did that set up the new? Absolutely. We've talked about that through the book of Hebrews here. But what do we come to? Look at verse 22. You have not come, verse 18 says, to the mountain that, may, that, 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 that is fearful, all of that. We have not come to Mount Sinai, but verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Amen? The author uses these two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, to contrast the difference between the old covenant and the new. Between living based under the law and living based on grace. Friends, between being afraid of God and being accepted by Him. Friends, and that brings us straight to number two. First point, believers have no reason to be fearful of God any longer. Because we can experience the grace of God, friends, and the blessings of heaven now. Praise God. Amen? Listen. How, 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 does God, how does God receive us as believers? Friends, even if you are here and you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, here's, we can either come to God on our own, on our own righteousness, on thinking that we can live up to His law, up to His standards, friends, and as I've already said, we all fall short of that. Amen? But coming to Mount Zion is coming uh, to the grace of God. You see, Mount Zion is one of the hills upon which Jerusalem is built. Um, Jerusalem, throughout Scripture, especially through some of the prophetic books, is often called Zion. Um, ever since King David conquered the Jebusites and placed the Ark of the Covenant on Mount Zion, that mountain, and by extension, the city of Jerusalem, has been considered the special earthly dwelling place of God. But here in Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, throughout many parts of Scripture, especially uh, many of the prophetic books, Mount Zion does not refer to the physical city of Jerusalem, but instead it refers to and is used to symbolize the heavenly city. Amen? The heavenly city of Jerusalem. Look at what it says in verse 22 as we continue to read on. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. And then he, to clarify, make sure we're, we get this, he's not talking about physical Jerusalem. He says the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, we have not come to the mountain in which we have to be fearful. That mountain full of smoke and, and, and where God demonstrated his power, friends. But we come all the way straight to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen? That is where we have the opportunity to meet God. To an innumerable company of angels. Friends, look at all of this. Um, there is a tension in Scripture. And here's the tension. Uh, this tension is being kind of played out here in verses 23 to 24. And it's, it's a tension of already not yet here's what i mean by that is when we come to faith in christ there are many things that scripture talks about already being ours although we have not yet fully received them and so even though some people will say, well, as believers, we, we, that, that, that awaits us and so forth. But Scripture doesn't talk about it like that. Scripture talks about it as it does here, friends, that these things are already blessings that we have. And they are a sure thing. That's good news. Amen. Uh, when we talk about security of the believer, listen, Scripture feels so strong about it. It talks about it as if it's already happened, even though it hasn't yet. You have come to Mount Zion. If you're, well, listen, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jews, to an innumerable company of angels. Friends, in the presence of all the angels, we as believers get to come. Amen? You know, um, we need to, I mean, this is a sermon for another day, uh, but 
You know, many people put angels to a place where they worship them. Angels are not to be worshipped. In fact, Paul uh, saw an angel that was in the presence of an angel and started to worship. And the angel said, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant just like you are. So we need to understand the proper place of angels. They are not to be worshipped. They are worshippers as well of the one true God. Amen? So be careful. Be careful. But we come into an innumerable company of angels. Verse 23, we come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. We, we, we are the church of the one who has died for us and rose again. Amen? And, and, and we, uh, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, friends, your name is written in the book of life. And so when we come to Christ, we come to God, friends, we come to God and join in with all of those who put their faith and trust in Christ and their names and have been born again and their names are written in the book of life. He also says we come to God, the judge of all. Um, here's the beautiful thing. When we come to Zion, we come to a God who is merciful. Yes, he is the judge of all, friends, but in Christ, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. And it says, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Listen, uh, as Hebrews chapter 11, as we talked about several weeks ago, talks about there are many who have gone before us, who have already gone on, and their faith was accounted to them as righteousness as they trusted in the Messiah. We're looking forward to Him just as we look back at what Christ did for us. Amen? Verse 24. That's not all we come to. We come to, and I, I think he's kind of been building here, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Friends, listen, why can we come to, to Zion uh, uh, expectant? Why can we come to God at Zion uh, knowing that he's going to receive us? Friends, because we come to Jesus, the mediator between God and man, the, the, the one who, who is our go-between, the one who has paid the price for our sins and has died on the cross so that we may be saved. Amen? It says to the sprinkling uh, to, to, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, friends. It is only because of his shed body and blood on the cross that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Amen? And so we come to Christ. We come to what he's done for us on the cross, friends. And because of that, because of all that, friends, uh, we don't have to, we have not come to the mountain of Sinai that represented the regiments of the law, friends, but we come to Mount Zion that represents God's peace and his grace that is available in christ amen we have not come to mount sinai that is forbidding and 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 all those laws and is terrifying uh with the presence of god friends but we have come to mount zion that is inviting and gracious how could we refuse that amen um you know i think in today's world um i don't know about all of you, but I know with like my kids, um, they don't like to make phone calls. You know, if you can text, send an email, much better. Um, but as adults, when we get up in the adult world, there are sometimes there are phone calls that we have to make, right? Trying to teach my kids that. Listen, um, there are certain things you just can't text about. Amen. Um, and so, um, have you ever had to make one of those phone calls that you dread? You know? Um, and man, that, that's a, that could be a lot and so forth, but uh, maybe, maybe a phone call where you had to straighten out a bill, you know, medical bill gets messed up and you've got to call 
Number one, you know you're going to be on the phone probably for a couple hours, right? <laughs> and get that straightened out and so forth. Or, or maybe it's a phone call to, to, because um, a bill came and it was wrong. Or because they've continued to raise your phone bill up and up, uh, your cell phone or maybe your cable bill, and you said, I've got to call them, I've got to get this straightened out. And I don't know about you, but I dread those kind of phone calls. Don't you? I dread them because most of the time, you know what kind of response I get? I'm sorry, sir, we can't help you. There's nothing I can do for you today. After I've spent two and a half hours waiting for you on the phone? But every now and then, every now and then, I get somebody who is pleasant to work with, who I've called in. In fact, uh, literally this happened to me. I called in, got somebody at AT&T after my bill had kept going up and up, and I said, hey, you know, is there something you can do about this, whatever? And, oh, yeah, Mr. Smith, let me see what I can do for you. You know, you hear them typing. I think they're just, I think that's just a recording. <laughs> Making you think they're doing something, right? She came back and she said, yes, Mr. Smith. Um, she said, how about this? Um, how about I, I put, uh, take off $40 off your bill every month for a year? I'm like, And Mr. Smith, we can also give you this and this and this and this and this and this. And, and I was like, man, you're saying, Pastor, that didn't happen. Yeah, it happened. It really seems too good to be true. Friends, we call with trepidation. We think we're going to get that person that doesn't want to help us or can't help us or that grouch that comes to the door or whatever, friends. But here's the deal. And here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, friends. We don't, that's not God. God is not somebody who's looking to zap us, friends. When we come in repentance and faith to God, God is standing there with his arms wide open and he wants us to come to him. He is inviting Mount Zion. Mount Sinai, yeah, they were scared. Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, friends, just the very fact that God wants us to come to heaven with him. That is inviting. He is a gracious God. Amen? Friends, that leads us right into the, into the third truth that I want to share with you this morning, and that's this, friends. Therefore, do not refuse him who speaks. Don't refuse him. Verse 25, I took this almost verbatim from verse 25, where it simply says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. I want to invite you just for a moment. We're in Hebrews. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. If you remember when we started this series, I'm not going to tell you how many weeks ago. Um, here's what we started with. As the writer of Hebrews starts, he says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. How has God spoken to us? Friends, you say, Pastor, I don't know that God's ever spoken to me. Um, maybe you don't understand what it means for God to speak. Um, I've never heard God audibly speak to me either. But every time I open His book and I read His Word, He is speaking to me. He uses His Word to draw me to Himself. 
He reminds me. One of the reasons we need to be memorizing Scripture, friends, is because the Holy Spirit, who lives in me as a believer, and listen, if you're a believer, He lives in you as well, will use those verses, and He will remind you of things, and He will bring those back to your mind, friends, and He will speak to you, even maybe when you don't have this book open. Friends, God speaks to us. So what does the Scripture say here? He says, see to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks hear him make sure you are listening for that still small voice that god speaks to you listen we get so busy we don't spend time with the lord amen we don't listen i want to encourage you just spend some time this week whether it's just riding around in your car with the radio off with your ipod off with your podcasts off mark whatever it is I listen to those things too. It's good. It's good stuff. I know you're listening to good church stuff, Mark, and so that's why normally I'm saying that's okay. But this week, I want you to spend some time as you go back and forth to work just in silence. Not cursing at the person in front of you. Asking God, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I'd love for you to take some other time and spend with him this week, friends. But listen to the Lord. Listen to what he has to say to you, friends. And in order to do that, I believe many times we need to just allow ourselves to be in the quiet. Something we don't get very often in our world today. Here's why it's so important. Let's continue on in verse 25. Verse 25, it says, For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth... I believe that's a reference to Israelites just as they promised God. Oh, yes, God, we'll follow you. What happened is Moses was up on the mountain. What did they do? They made a golden calf, and they disobeyed God, and they rebelled against him. And It's a cycle with the Israelites, just as it is with us. We repent and come back to God, and then we do our own thing. We repent and have to come back to God, and repent and have to come back to God. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth much more, shall we... Shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Friends, if God meant what he said at Mount Sinai, then he means what he says now. Amen? Because judgment's coming. Look at at the next verse. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more shake I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Uh, that's a quote, a reference to Haggai 2.6, prophesying about the end of the world as we know it, friends, when God will shake, as he says, not only the earth, but also heaven. Everything will shake. Verse 27, Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of the things that are made. He's saying, listen, in case you're not getting this, let me just tell you, he's talking about, I'm talking about stuff. All the stuff that is around us, friends, when God shakes the world at at the end of days, friends, and and everything goes away, friends, um, judgment is coming. Everything physical will be destroyed. Therefore, we need to do what verse 25 says, and we need to heed that. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Amen? Now, too often... I believe we have selective hearing. Can I get a witness on that? Okay. I believe we have selective hearing. Now, it's not always with audibly. I mean, I think we also many times ignore emails and texts and those kind of things. Anybody here not done that? 
Not had selective hearing of some sort, all right? Uh, okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, it's when, when your wife has asked you to fix that leak under the sink. Oh, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't hear that. I never, never heard you ask that. Or, or teenagers or, or boys and girls, um, uh, when, when, when your mom or dad has asked you to take out the trash or, or to clean your room. Oh, mom, I, I never heard you say that. Never. Or, or when your boss, right at the end of the day, it's 4.59, and you are just ready to get out there, and then an email comes through, or, or your boss shouts from the other office, hey, can you do one more thing before you leave today? <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't hear that. You see, we think... If we just have selective hearing, if we don't hear it, then we think we don't have to do it, right? It's just ignoring it. I want you to notice verse 25 again. Now, I titled the sermon this morning and the message, Hear Him Who Speaks. But that is not how verse 25 says it. How does verse 25 say it again? Be sure that you do not refuse him who speaks. Why does it say it that way? Because, friends, here's what I believe. I believe we think if we just ignore God or we put it off. Oh, yeah, I, I, know, I, need to, I know I need to do. God's been on me about this. He's been pressing this on my heart. I know I need to do that. But we just ignore it. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe it's about coming to Christ. Some of you here this, this morning, for years, you've been struggling with, with, do I put my faith in Christ, do I not? And maybe you've even been in church a lot and stuff and what have you. And you, one of these days, one of these days, friends, um, here, Scripture is very clear, friends. There is no middle road. There is no middle ground. And I believe that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Um, he is saying, listen, if you are not responding, yes, to God, if you're not doing what God is calling you to do, if you've not come to faith in Christ, friends, then you are in disobedience to Him. You are refusing Him. It's not like, see, we tend to think, oh, well, I'm just kind of, I'm just in limbo. Hadn't made up my mind yet, and so forth. God's saying, yes, you've made up your mind. You are refusing me. There will be many that stand before God one day and say, oh, God, yeah, I just, I, I'm sorry, I never got around to it before I knew it. Something happened, and I was A choice to put off considering the claims of Christ, friends, is a choice to reject Him, to refuse Him. Verse 25 says, see to it that you do not refuse Him. Friends, whether He's calling you to salvation, whether He's telling you something He wants you to do, whether He's nudging you to align your life with His Word, friends, when God speaks, we not only need to hear and listen, but we need to respond. That leads us to the last truth I want to share with you this morning. The last thing that I believe Scripture challenges us with this morning is not only we need to not refuse Him, friends, but we need to be sure to serve Him who is eternal and His kingdom faithfully. We need to serve Him the eternal one, his kingdom that will last forever. Look at verse 27 again. 
So now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of the things that are made. We already read that. And then it continues on. It says, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So if God's going to shake heaven and earth again, and it's saying that everything that's going to be shaken is going to be removed, but the only things that are going to remain are those things that cannot be shaken, what is that? That are things that are eternal. Amen? Therefore, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Be well-pleasing to Him, friends, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Friends, listen, he goes back and he says, listen, don't let, uh, don't let that image be the God you come to, friends, when you come to judgment. Because if you come on your own, friends, you come to Mount Sinai and you will be judged by the law, and we all fall short of the law. Amen? But if you come to God at Mount Zion and receive the grace of God and trust in Jesus Christ, His Lord and Savior, and His blood shed for you on the cross, friends, then guess what? You will spend eternity forever with Him and and, and receiving His grace. Amen? Because listen, all that's going to remain. Listen, we so often invest in so many other things, friends, but what he's saying here is all that's going to remain is that which is eternal. The Lord, His kingdom, the souls of men and women who will spend eternity somewhere, friends. All this other stuff that we think is so important isn't. Um, nothing, nothing is more satisfying to me than to put new paint on something old. To, to spruce something up. Um, to um, make it look new again. Uh, I remember, man, I, I know you've probably painted your own house inside and out. One of the most dramatic changes that I saw when I was a teenager, went on a youth mission trip to Williamsburg, Kentucky, and uh, we, we fixed up a lady's house for her as we shared the gospel with her and, and witnessed her as well. But we painted the whole outside of her house. Um, let me just say, it needed it. And as we painted that house and rolled it around, you could see a dramatic difference. I love that. It was white paint, and it looked like um, it, it was white before, and it was white after. But let me just tell you, they weren't the same. Age had, the age of that house had made it look dingy. And so we put that new paint on, and it looked so good when we got done. You've done that before, right? How would you feel about painting that house or your house or whatever if you knew that the very next day it was going to catch fire and burn down. You'd feel bad about that, wouldn't you? Let me ask you something. If you knew that for sure, would you put the effort towards painting the house? Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. Um, this is not a sermon on when to paint your house, okay? <laughs> or when not to paint your house. Listen, your house needs painting, painting. But here's the point. The point is that we put so many efforts into the physical things around us, friends, when only what is eternal is going to last. We need to invest in that which is eternal. In our relationship with the Lord and in bringing others to Him as well. 
I believe everything we do ought to be done with that in mind. Doesn't mean you can't paint your house. Doesn't mean you can't. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, um, are your efforts on a whole investing in temporary things, or is your mindset investing investing in eternity and where God wants you and what God wants you to do? I'm going to invite you this morning to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up. You know, we've talked this morning about, um, are you listening to God's voice? Um, God is speaking to us. He speaks to us through His Word. Um, While I've never heard from God audibly, He's also spoken to my heart. And many times, through His Holy Spirit, He's spoken to my heart on things that I need to be doing that I'm not, or things that I need to stop doing that I haven't. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to come to Him. I want you to consider, how is God speaking to you now? Because here's what I believe, friends. I believe that God is speaking to all of us. He's always wanting to draw us closer to Himself, friends. How is He drawing you closer to Him today? What is he, how does He want you to respond to Him today? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And here's what we're going to do. We'll do something a little bit different this morning. Okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to consider. I want you to just pray and, and ask God. Maybe you already know what God's been speaking to you about. And that would be my guess. Is, man, there's been some things that God's already been putting His finger on in your life. Maybe you hear God's already been drawing you to Himself. Maybe God's already been telling you, you know what? You need to make Southside your church home. You need to make a decision that you made for Christ public. Whatever it is. You need to get rid of some stuff in your life. You need to start serving Him. Whatever it is. As our praise team just sings, I want to, you remain seated, heads bowed, doing business with God.